We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. All right, a special Saturday podcast. Not that special, um, but a Saturday podcast. Well, it's always special when I get to do it with my good longtime friend, Tom Lavero. And I was just thinking as we start to record this, you know, you, I don't think you've done a Saturday podcast with me. What do you usually do on the weekends? What does Tom Lavero do on this beautiful Saturday afternoon like this one? Well, or late Saturday morning. I'm I'm in a life of leisure right now. So Saturday is is Monday, Sunday is Tuesday. <laughs> it really doesn't make a whole lot of difference to me. That, you know, it's the same day. That's really I've not ever experienced that. Well, I guess when you're on vacation you experience that. If you're on a a long vacation, and I'm talking about pre-retirement, you're not retired, but would you would you describe yourself as semi-retired? Yes, I would. Okay. That's how I would describe myself. I'm, I'm semi-retired. I'm, I'm not working full-time, certainly. And the work that I do, I can do from and any retirement home I, I, I'm put into. <laughs> Don't say retirement home. You're years away from the home. Um, <laughs> retirement community or retirement town would be um, something that may – well, you, Frederick is not a retirement town, um, no. but, but you love uh, Florida. When are you going to be in Florida full-time? That's going to happen soon. That's not going to happen. I'm not giving my money to those assholes down there. Oh, my God. Full-time. No okay. way. Oh, so you'll only give it to them part time? Yes. Okay. So, part time. Okay. So you're only. I'm, ha- not, I'm not. I'm not paying. I'm not paying. You know. I'm not paying property taxes to that state. All right. So you're only half a hypocrite. Yes. Okay. Good. Just checking. Um, it is a beautiful day today. So I, I was because I we're a little bit late starting this morning, and it's it's my issue. Um, I had stuff to do this morning. Um, sleeping in's not an option for me. God, I try, I try to sleep in. Sleeping oh, in, man. For, do you know what sleeping you know, in is for me? What? Like five forty-five. Oh, jeez. You know, I feel so sorry for people like like you because. I, I can still I can get up at six or seven, okay, and then go back to sleep and wake up at like nine or ten. I and and it's that back to sleep, that last section of sleep that's the deepest and the best. 
I totally agree with you. And I actually can do that. Um, I'm not doing that this morning, and I didn't do that this morning, but I have done that on occasion where I will get up at my normal time, which my normal time is sometime between 4 and 4.45. It all depends on how prepared I am for the radio show. If I'm not prepared at all, I get up at 4, and if I'm you know pretty much mostly prepared, I get up at like 4.45. Um, you know, for this, for a 6 a.m. Uh, show start, uh, if I get up at that time or maybe sleep in, like I described till five 45, I have done on the weekends many times at like eight 30, gone back to sleep for like two hours and woken up. And that feels like a real sleep. Yeah, that it really is. It's the last one. It's, it's the best one. Oh, I mean, so I, I, I do that a lot when I don't have an early morning commitment. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the commercials are they progressive commercials with the guy, God, he's an actor and he's so good, you know, um, you know, where he's, where, where you get people saying, does that, is that the same thing as a hashtag? And he says the way, you know, it's the one where he says the waiter does not need to know your name. You've seen the ads oh, I'm yeah. talking about, right? Those guys, that guy. Absolutely. What, what's that guy's yeah. name again? I don't know what his name is. I don't know, but he, I love those commercials. They're, they're, I love the one where, where he, uh, well, for one thing, that what he did, you know, the guy getting up from his chair, and he says, and then <laughs> the, the he says to everybody, "Did you hear that? <laughs> That's it's, spot on. It's so good. The, all, the, all, that series of commercials is so good. Well, one of them is when he says, "Nobody cares what time you had to get up this morning, <laughs> or something." I might be paraphrasing. So or as the I was, waitress just, doesn't doesn't want to know your name. Yeah, the, the waitress does not need to know your name. Yeah. Um, and then the guy that says, is that the same thing as hashtagging? And he just gives that look like, oh, Jesus. Um, so as, that's what reminded me when I was talking about how early I get up. Nobody, trust me, I do realize nobody cares. Um, anyway, uh, it was it was a way to describe the second sleep, which I agree with you on. Hey, um, there's a few things I want to get to, um, but I, I, doing a podcast this morning, we can talk about two incredible games last night with yes. two local teams. Uh, first of all, Kyle Schwarber's walk-off uh, last night in the bottom of the ninth. There it goes! Game winner! See you later! I literally turned it to Masson just as that pitch was fired, and oh my God, did he get a hold of that one? Four hundred and sixty-three feet. He's got a lot of power. He's got he's got Adam Dunn kind of power. Really does. He, he's he, I mean Adam Dunn used to strike out all the time, and he 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 was a liability on the field, but boy, he could hit some big home runs. The and Schwarber has that kind of power. The Nats generated just five hits in a game that was nothing-nothing going into the bottom of the ninth. Um, Scherzer was outstanding. Soto last night, 0 for 3 from the two-hole. Uh, oh, he was hitting se- he was hitting second last night. Oh, he hit he hit second the night before and the night before that. What, wow. Well, so what's the big deal? I have no idea. I just am surprised you that know, he was hitting second. You know, I already in our in our podcast where we discussed this, what? I already went back and said I apologize. I was wrong about it. You did? If you remember that, yes, I remember said I found some stuff on it online. It wasn't much, 
but I said, you're, you're right. They did talk about it. We, if you go back to that podcast, okay. I backtracked near the end and said, okay, you're right. I, I, they, they did talk about it. How nice, am, it, how nice am I, I said, right now just to, just to you're, take, you're, to take Tommy at his word, to take Tommy here's at his what word. You are. What? You're petty for bringing it up. Oh my God. You said to me when we didn't do a show on Thursday, you said, oh, that's too bad because did you see where Soto hit last night? I said, of course I did. People were tweeting me saying, oh my God, Soto's hitting second. Um, you were expecting it, and you said to me on the phone that day. You said, "Well, I was going to take my lumps. I, you know, I was going to admit well, that I, I mean, was wrong." I, this, so you must like, have gone that's back a couple of days ago. You must have gone a couple, you, couple of days ago. Oh, so a couple of days later, you you remembered what you said on Tuesday's show at the very end. You acknowledged you, know, you were wrong. And that, yes, and, I did. and apologized. Yes, I did. Okay. But you're petty enough to keep bringing it up. I'm not going to bring it up even one more time in this show. If you if you apologize to me, I, I hope I accepted the apology. I don't remember it, but I, I hope I accepted it. And if I didn't accept it, I accept it now. Um, you know, I should have been more careful <laughs> because the last time the cicadas came out, 2004? 17 years ago, yeah. yeah, I was wrong then, too. Yeah, about something. I don't know. I think I think there are a couple of other um, instances where you may have been wrong between 2004 and, and 2021. You know, you have to admit when I'm wrong, I am loud wrong. Always, I, um, I am. I am non-wavering wrong. I am. You're an idiot for disagreeing with me wrong. And you, by the way, I would probably suggest to you um, that when you are wrong, you're usually wrong in a conversation with me. Um, Anyway, well, actually, no. <laughs> okay, okay. The, I, I, the biggest one I, that I can recall mm-hmm. was I, I put in the paper and said on 106.7, the fan, after the Caps lost game one of the Stanley Cup finals to Las Vegas, uh, uh, to Vegas, I said, stick a fork in them. They're done. Yeah, but that's series over. That's that's different from the other day. That's a prediction. Yeah, but that was, you were I, loud, I said, you, you've it, been loud wrong done. on a lot of predictions. As I have, that was that. That to me is the worst. Um, I mean, I didn't leave any room for margin for. Uh, it didn't seem like a prediction the way I said it. <laughs> yeah, well, you. I mean, there are a lot of things that I can think of that you were loud wrong on, but I, I'm not going to be petty. Um, well, you've you've been petty enough, so that's okay. The uh, the cicadas are coming. You know that, right? And apparently, it's going to be loud. And annoying um, because this is ground zero, the Mid-Atlantic and the D.C. area in particular. There was a huge story, like one of these major fold-out stories uh, in the post, I don't know, two weeks ago um, on this Brood X thing. Um, You know the funny thing, Tommy, about the cicadas? I don't remember 2004, but apparently it was really bad in 2004. Well, it, I, you see, I don't have a big estate like you do, yeah, so right. it doesn't really impact me that much. You know, I don't have, a, you know, acres of property and things like that. Right. So I, it, I, I'm not that worried about it. Uh, but do you remember 2004, which apparently was a massive cicada year in our area? I don't remember it being that big of a deal. I remember them being out. I don't remember it being a, a hindrance to my lifestyle in any way, shape, or form. I think I read that basically the soil has to hit like 65 degrees or something like that. It, I don't, it wouldn't be 75 degrees soil. 
it would be something in the 60s, I think. I think it has to hit something like 65 degrees, and that's when they come out. And that is probably late this month, although, God, it was chilly here yesterday. And it's going to be chilly again this week. Um, We're going to have a couple of nights this week, mid to late week, uh, upcoming week, where we're going to have temperatures in the upper 30s again. It was 36 degrees this morning. Um, Yeah. But do you know that— Speaking of of soil, what do you ever put your hands in the soil? You ever get down and dirty? You ever do some gardening or or some— some farming or anything like that? Uh, just last weekend, last Saturday morning, I was out spreading grass seed all over my lawn. I would I, that would qualify as working my land a little bit. Um, okay. But no, we we do have a landscaping company that does much much of that. Uh huh. Um, Carol likes to get out and do some of that every once in a while. I'm definitely not a gardener. If you're asking me about gardening, no. But I did, she needed, she's like, we need to get grass seed out now. And so I went out early in the morning and spent an hour, you know, and I didn't have a spreader. You know, I, I was doing it by hand, just carrying a bag, <laughs> you know, taking a big shovel and, and putting it into the bag and spreading it out that way. But what I was going to say about the cicadas, do you know that it literally, it's going to be billions of cicadas will emerge from the ground. Billions of them. Uh uh, and they're totally harmless. And I don't remember, honestly, in my lifetime, them ever being truly annoying. But people's, people are, are reminiscing about 2004, saying how loud it was and, you know, how people had to go outside with an umbrella. I don't remember that. I'm not denying I don't I'm not remember denying that either, it. but I have, I have read accounts of people describing it like some kind of horror movie. I don't recall anything like that. I don't either. And I'm wondering if maybe it's just because the neighborhood I was living in at the time just wasn't a big cicada neighborhood. That's possible, I guess. It is a, it is a, a weird kind of a thing. It's a marvel, right? It's every 17 years they know. Just yeah. weird. Um, the whole thing. Um, but anyway, uh, whatever. Good win for the Nats. <laughs> <laughs> what a and shot by Schorber. Well, that's what I wanted to, t- to talk about next. I did watch – I didn't watch the whole game. I watched a lot of the fourth quarter in the overtime. Um, I, I forget whether or not we talked about this. I loved Gafford in college, and he's really turning out to be a find. And, you know, it's funny because when they trade, made that trade, I said, you know, look at his per 36-minute numbers – they're so good. Why is he only playing eight, nine, ten minutes a night for the Bulls? There must be something, you know, that's not right with him. Well, look at what's happening here. I mean, this is a this is going to be one of the. This could work out to be one of the best trades the Wizards have ever made. Gafford Tommy was just an incredible talent at Arkansas. He was so much fun to watch. He was so athletic, and you could see like this guy's going to be an NBA player. He's going to be a defensive stopper. He's going to be a guy that you just lob to. He's he's not only got ridiculous hops. He's got super long arms at six ten, six eleven, and this guy has come in here. And he has been amazing. He had four block shots last night. He was a total rim protector at the end of regulation and in overtime against Zion Williamson. Had 18 points in 26 minutes on 7 of 11. He's shooting 60% from the floor for this team. 
He's now, you know, and his his minutes are still in like the 15 to 16 minute range. He played 26 the most since the trade last night, you know, because they're really playing three centers. They're playing Lopez, they're playing Len, and they're playing Gafford. Gafford is a, a real talent. I mean, this could be one of the best trades in Wizards history. They did not okay, have. Stop saying that. What? I mean, stop saying the, one of the best trades in Wizards history. I mean, they they traded for Elvin Hayes. They traded for Bob Dandridge. Well, first of all, they they uh, they traded for Elvin Hayes. That was a Baltimore Bullet trade. Um, so okay. I don't really. They traded count for that. Bobby Dandridge. Um, actually, wasn't Bobby Dandridge just a free agent signing? They didn't have free agents then. Uh, they did. It was um, you know, it was some sort of limited free agency. Y- you might be right. About this, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up real quickly to see how he got to the uh, to, to the bullets. Um, for whatever reason, I thought they just signed him. I didn't, but you, you're you're probably right. It was probably part of some sort of trade. Well, the other thing with Gafford, are I mean, as much as you liked him in college, uh, aren't you concerned that he's a guy that you know, the more you expose, the less the less talent you see. No, the talent's not the issue. There's there must be something else that is an issue um, as to why the the Bulls didn't like him and didn't give him a lot of minutes. Um, the talent was unmistakable, but he ended up going in the second round. I mean, either, when he was a projected first rounder, like he was one of those guys. I remember before that draft, I was like, this guy is really interesting. Like he's he's going to play in the NBA. And he ended up going in the second round, and he didn't get a lot of run in Chicago. You know, it was also a weird year, obviously, last year um, in the bubble. Um, but he's really, really gifted. I mean, it, 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 he's he's the he's the perfect sort of center for this game. You know, he's super athletic. He's super long. He's a rim protector. He's not he's not a stretch center. He's the you know he's the DeAndre Jordan kind of center. Not the same build. But he's the guy that pick, roll, roll to the rim, lob it, dunk it. He's the guy goes to the offensive glass, takes a miss, and just rams it home. I mean, that's why he's got a high you know, field goal percentage. Um, but what he really is, is with his length and his, his athleticism, he's the first real rim-protecting center they've had for a while. I mean, he had he had massive uh, defensive block shots at the end of regulation and in overtime. I'm trying to find what if Dandridge was traded for here. No, free agency. Here it is. I was right. Really? Yeah, free agency was different in that area. Teams were able to sign free agents, but free agents weren't exactly free. Players were free to sign with another team, but the team they left was in position to talk to that team that acquired the new player, and they had to arrive at some sort of compensation. If teams were unable to arrive at a compensation, then it would go to a commissioner, and the commissioner would decide. Um, Poland called Bucks owner Jim Fitzgerald, and they agreed on the phone to the deal, which would bring Dandridge to the Bullets as a free agent. Fitzgerald called Abe on the phone and said he had another better deal for Dandridge, but he said he was an honorable honorable guy. Abe is an honorable guy, and he would keep the deal because of his respect for Abe. That's the way the business was done among certain owners in the NBA. What was the compensation? Successfully signing Dandridge as a free agent and giving Milwaukee the proper... I guess they just paid for him. There were, okay. no, there were no players. Okay, so that leaves... Uh... 
Kevin and Porter Elvin for, Hayes was was a Baltimore Bullet. Kevin Porter so for Dave that. Bing. Huh? Kevin Porter for Dave Bing. Yeah. I mean, I loved Kevin Porter. Uh, Strickland for obviously uh, the Wizards <laughs> are getting a lot of energy with with this guy in the lineup. Actually, the the, the trade that brought Antoine Jameson here um, for uh, Devin Harris and and. Um, in Stackhouse, fifth pick in, in Stackhouse was a great, great trade. Actually, Ernie was really good at trades. I'm just oh, saying, in terms of really Tommy, good. in terms of Tommy Shepard, in recent years, to pick up something like that for essentially no, nothing, because Troy Brown Jr. certainly didn't show anything in his first couple of years. And I loved Mo Wagner, but I guess Wagner was part of the deal and ended up in in Boston. I guess as part of that deal. But this guy's a real talent. Like I when the, I didn't know anything about Hutchinson, the other guy that they traded for, uh but the um but the uh, but Gafford, if you were a college basketball fan, I mean, he was a highlight reel at Arkansas. And so you knew Gafford if you were a college basketball fan just because some of the more hellacious dunks you've ever seen. He really was outstanding last night. But let me just mention this, because I know we've talked about this, about, you know, was the wall for Westbrook trade when Westbrook was, you know, looking awful? Look, I I remember saying I'd probably go back and take Wall back and hope he gets healthy at this point because I think Westbrook's probably done – Westbrook's been awesome at times here recently, and that last night was one of those nights. He took the game over offensively, took the game over on offense. 36 points. He's had some really good shooting nights. You know the Wizards were 4 for 27 last night from behind the arc, and three of the made threes were his. And then he made the free throw, and he's had issues with free throws on a lot of nights. He missed four last night. He got fouled by Zion, by the way. I thought that was a terrible call. Have you? Did you see it, or have you seen the highlight of the of no. the? Have I seen it? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Are you joking? I thought maybe you, you could have seen a highlight. I'd rather go out and watch the cicadas come up. <laughs> well, you might have to wait for the the soil to warm up. Um, stick your hand in the soil when this show's over and tell me what the temperature is. You know, um, it's hard to it's hard to believe that them being so good, they've only won twenty two games. Well, they've won. They've now won five of six. Um, and they, if the if the season ended today, they would be tied for that last playoff spot. Oh, so they God. they might oh actually they might actually be in that uh, play in. They might make the playoffs. <laughs> yes. That's so wizards like. Serious. Look they at might. everybody. We made the playoffs just when fans are allowed back. <laughs> Tommy, you know what I'm thinking about doing this week? Going to the Golden State game. Golden Golden State's in town this week. I'm thinking about going to that game on Wednesday night. I think it's 2,100 fans they let in. I think I could probably figure out a way to get in to that game uh-huh. to see Steph Curry again. By the way, let me just tell you real quickly: the Wizards play the awful Pistons tonight, and the line is three and a half, four. I'm just telling you right now, the Wizards are probably going to lose to the Pistons tonight. That line reeks. The Wizards are hot. The the Pistons are terrible. They're 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 even worse than the Wizards. I don't know how many games in a row they lost. Although I think they won um, last night against the Thunder. Um, but that line is super super short, and the public will be betting Washington. So I'll have the Pistons tonight, plus like three and a half or plus four. Um, 
What I was just going to say to you is the call at the end of the game, the foul on Zion at the end of overtime, was such a terrible call. Uh, they they challenged it. New Orleans challenged it, and they upheld the call, um, which I guess there was like he barely made and had one tip of his finger touch um, uh, touch Westbrook. I wasn't sure Westbrook would make the free throw. He made the first one, and then he tried to miss the second one, which was 100% the right thing to do, and somehow it went in. Hit 36 points last night. He had 15 rebounds. He had nine assists. This guy is he's He's entertaining to watch. But now he is the reason they are winning. He's a big reason as to why they've won five of six games. But uh, of all things this team needs to do, win is not what they need to do. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, I don't know. I, I watched last night. I've been watching a little bit more. They were on the West Coast. I didn't see some of those real late-night West Coast games um, uh, because, Tommy, I have to get up really early. Uh, but I didn't know that. <laughs> but um, Westbrook was sensational last night, and he really has been for you know a month plus. I mean, he had a couple of those weird games. Um, I remember that one night where he was like one for six from the free throw line and you know had like nine turnovers or whatever, something like that. Um, but uh, he's been well. You know they've got a chance once the regular season gets back to normal. Maybe they've got a chance to climb up into that Wizards forty to forty-five win limbo that they know so well. Well, um, here's what they're not: they're they're not terrible right now. I th- but the game last night they're not playing terrible. At the game, the, the game last night was really hard to watch at times. Both teams, in terms of just their lack of any plan offensively, it's all. I mean, God bless you know Scott. He's such a good guy, and I know the players love him. The Wizards ran a couple of sets in overtime, but really what they do is Bradley Beal had a couple of bad turnovers. He was 0 for 9 from behind uh, the arc last night. But both teams just had some of the worst possessions in regulation and overtime. But, hey, you know, they are, they're sitting there, and they really don't have a chance. There are too many games back of, like, getting out of the 7 through 10 possibility. But they are definitely right in the mix now to be in that little play-in tournament, you know, for the postseason where they play 7, 8, 9, and 10 seeds. 10 plays 9, the winner of that game – plays the winner of the 7-8 game. The winner of the 7-8 game automatically becomes the 7. The loser of the 7-8 game then only has to win the next game to become the 8. If you're the 10 or the 9, you've got to win two in a row, if that makes sense. If you, I know you probably didn't follow it. Um, we got some things to talk about, including the Bruce Allen Dan Snyder, uh, latest, uh, that what about the name, we can talk about the name. Uh, we can definitely do that. A lot of talk about the name this week, Ron Rivera and, uh, and, and Martin Mayhew, uh, held a little uh, press conference yesterday. They were asked about the quarterback very early this morning, uh, because I get up really early. I was watching Ed Werder. Ed Werder said something very interesting about Deshaun Watson. I'll mention that and a lot more right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, we were just um, reminiscing um, about uh, Wizards trade history. And um, I was mentioning to Tommy that I hated the Rasheed Wallace for Rod Strickland ch- trade because I was a big Rasheed Wallace fan. But I really did like Rod Strickland as a player. I thought he was a really good point guard. And he ended up being so very— I. I loved him as a player. And he ended, ended up being instrumental in that year that they got to the postseason with you know with Weber and, and Howard and lost to the Bulls in three. The series, the famous series where Jordan basically anointed the Bullets yeah. at the end of that series as like the next team on you know the, that was going to rise to like championship level. They had a lot of talent. And of course, you reminded me, Ben Wallace was on that team. Um, Rashid was not. Rashid was traded. You know that was the Strickland for for Sheed trade. And as much as I love Strickland, I remember just having this feeling back then. You don't trade a talented young big guy for a veteran, you know, small guy. Um, but you know, maybe they wouldn't have been as good. I, I I always loved Rashid Wallace. I thought he had a really good NBA career and would have been a phenomenal player for them. And obviously, Weber didn't last much longer in Washington. But yeah, they. I mean, think about the players they had. I mean, Ben Wallace obviously went on, um, you know, and was a champion in Detroit. You know, with with Rasheed Wallace. I mean, it, it, the, yeah. the, there were a lot of good players that came through Washington. But Ben Wallace, unlike Rasheed, who was drafted, I think fourth overall. Ben Wallace was not drafted, if my memory serves me correctly. I don't think he was a drafted player. Am I right about that? I don't know if if he was or not. But uh, he was a find, that's for sure. He, I, he, I mean, nobody had really heard much about him. Uh, he ben, didn't play much his first year. Ben Wallace was not drafted. He was signed by the Wizards um, after uh, you know for that ninety six ninety seven season. That was his rookie year. He you know he didn't play much. Um, three years in Washington, and it was that final year where he really started to emerge. You know, into he went to Virginia Union. Oh, yeah, Virginia Union. All right. Um, tell me what's on your mind as it relates to this Washington football name uh, survey thing. I mean, I'm kind of curious about what what they're really doing behind the scenes with this thing. Uh, but what's interesting is last weekend we had my sister-in-law and her husband visiting with us. And my sister-in-law uh, could could care less about sports. And one of the first questions she asked me when we were talking was, so what do you think the new name of the team will be? <laughs> right. I mean, she could care less about football. Right. But, but the name thing is still resonating, you know, as an issue. Without a name, people with, with Washington football team still reminds everybody what their name used to be. 
Mm-hmm. So, and until they come up with a real name, it's always going to remind people this is what their name used to be. You know, so they need to come up with a name. And I mean, it's hard to believe that they don't have one at this point, isn't it? I, I, I don't know. I mean, if you, you know, I had somebody on the radio show at one point who said this can be sometimes an 18 to 24 month process, you know, and there's a lot involved in it. I know that, you know, I talked to people out there last summer who said there's no way, you know, once the Warriors, which I think was the one that they were planning on, and once there was an issue with the mark because they didn't renew it or whatever it was, you know, typical Washington organization, um, they knew it was going to be a while. And then changing everything, like one of the things they did that I'm, I'm going to call somebody on this. Why did they, in the midst of a pandemic, spend apparently seven, you know, maybe into the couple of seven figures, um, you know, two, three million bucks to swap everything that was identified with Redskins in the stadium and replace it with Washington football team. Why did they do that when they knew there was a pretty decent chance, and then they definitely knew by the time we got to late August, September, that no one was going to be in that stadium watching a game this year? Because one of the things I was told, like at the end of August last year, is it's really expensive. Like, you know, this is costly to do this. And so they're they're gonna make sure that you know maybe they get a year or two out of the you know the money they just invested in a football team. But why did they do that? Well, maybe they didn't want the TV cameras focusing on on Washington. Okay, Redskins so you could have stripped the Redskins stuff. You didn't have to put in WFT or Washington football team. That's true. You could have just taken down and got rid of everything that was there. That's a good point. I, well, I don't, I don't know if it's a good point or not. It's a, it, it, it's a, it's, it's a curiosity of mine as to why they felt like they needed to swap everything out in the areas in which the public wasn't going to, to be there. I mean, I, I'll, for those that aren't familiar with this story, let me just catch everybody up to speed. Jason Wright, the team's new president, sent out on behalf of the organization a letter with a list of names that were being surveyed, that the team was surveying on. And uh, th- these things went out, I, I think, to a um, a group of people, I'm assuming mostly season ticket holders, although I, d- I don't know the answer to that definitively, but I think it's season ticket holders. And they were asked to pick their two favorites, and each list had a, like a, a different group of names. Not everybody got the same list. I, I did, you know, and... Look, I, th- I think this guy's bright. I think he, you know, I think he's actually an, a, a terrific communicator. But my God, when he writes or when he's, it's, it's straight out of the McKinsey high end elite, you know, consultant, you know, business buzzword uh, dictionary. It's like, oh, I, that's I was where he comes from. I was reading the, the letter that he wrote, and it's like, you know, this is an iterative process. We've got stakeholder interviews, large-scale surveys, qualitative, quantitative, synergy. It's just it, it was one business, one business buzzword after another. I can only imagine. No disrespect intended. Half the people probably just went to the list and said, "What, what do I do here?" Um, but they were asked to pick two of their favorite names and. The names that were on these lists, I mean, were were ridiculous. <laughs> well, some of them we, you know, we know about, you know, Warriors, Red Wolves has been talked about, Red Tails. Tommy, I'll ask you this, 
one of the curiosities I had was that I had a lot of people sending me these these things because I'm not a season ticket holder. I'm not a sponsor or whatever. I didn't get anything in the mail, but I, have, I had several friends that got this stuff in the mail for whatever reason. They got it in the mail. And they all had different lists. But each one of these lists had one of the names, an, only one of the names that have been talked about. None of the lists had more than one that's been talked about, meaning... On one list, Red Tails. On another list, Red Wolves. And on another list, Warriors. And then they had football team and football club separated as well. Like they didn't have all, they didn't have the, I don't know, for the lack of a better description, the leading contenders, or at least the perceived leading contenders on the same list. They had them on right. a different list. They broke it up. I don't know what the purpose of that was, but I bet it was strategic in some way. Um, because I think what, and by the way, there's no explanation on what the process is. I don't think, I mean, other than to say, you know, they want the, you know, he had previously said they want the name in place for the 2022 season, but what's the process, you know, because in reading that letter, he was like, you know, we're brainstorming. It's a small selection. It's a broader pool. It's qualitative. It's quantitative. We've got focus groups, stakeholder interviews, interviews, large-scale surveys. I don't even know what – I mean, I know what a focus group is. But after that, it's just – it's a, it's a lot of, you know, business mumbo-jumbo. Just tell us. Like, we're, we put out a survey. We're going to narrow it down to four names, and we're going to take a vote. Or we're going to narrow it down to five or narrow it down to three based on the survey, and then we're going to make the decision. I Just give us like something really simple. Step one, survey. Step two, narrow down to three names. Step three, with those three names, there's going to be some sort of fan vote or there's going to be a decision made by the, you know, the owners of this team uh, the own, or the owners in the front office of this team in consultation with the league or something. I don't know. Get, do you have a sense of what the process is here? No, I have no sense. Me Other either. than it seems like at this point, I don't think they're using the material they get from something like this for any meaningful selection process. I agree with you. I think they're just, they're just getting some attention, you know, keeping, keeping the, the organization out there. And I don't blame them. It's not a bad idea. You know, there's a group of the fan base that is eating this up. You know, I mean, they 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 are they can't get enough about the name and what it's going to be. So I understand the problem, but I don't think there's anything they're they're doing right now that is seriously involved in the process of picking the name. None of this stuff, at least. I think this is all ornamentation. It's it's all just complete show. I, t- I completely agree with you. I think they've got – I think they have an idea um, yeah. of what it's going to be. And if they don't have a definitive name, it's down to three. You know, it's down to two, three, maybe four. And they're using a lot of really, you know, high-level, highly paid branding people, you know, and branding consultants. You know, they hired that one company that's uh, participating in this thing. You know, they did have football team on one of the lists. And, you know, remember, he mentioned, the uh, team president, Jason Wright, mentioned that, you know, they're going to consider using football team going forward. Yeah, he said I that know. in an interview, you know, a couple of months ago. Um, that but would Again, from the start, uh, and I don't want to say Dan Snyder's a bad businessman because he has a lot more money than me. Yeah. But – 
sometimes they make such foolish business decisions. In baseball, I know in particular, a general manager will tell you in his wallet or in his pocket, he has a list with the names of four or five managers he could hire tomorrow if he needed a manager. Okay, given the fight over this name for decades, it's hard to believe that they didn't have two or three or four names. They said, okay, this is what we're going to call them. They definitely had Warriors. They had marked it. They had a lot of stuff related to Warriors. By the way, they may have let it go in part because it's too closely, you know, you know, there's too much Native American you know, uh, links to it or attachments to, to Warriors. Maybe they just want well, to Well, they should have had clear. more than one backup. That's they true. They should have had two or three. You know, I'm looking at the um, the full list. Um, I mean, I had read through some of these on the air the other day. They're just so ridiculous. Demon cats. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? I Again, I'm going to – honestly, it's just keep watching. Don't get rid of my city's name. Why Washington is a big – I don't know. I mean, that would be insane. Well, you know, when 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 Virginia, when when they were arguing over where the baseball team was going to go, there were some legislators in Virginia who said, if we're going to spend money on a stadium for the baseball team, they're going to be called the Virginia something. Right. I remember not that. the Washington something. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, one of the names on the list. I don't understand this. So help me with this. Thirty two FC. In parentheses, W32, Washington 32. What's 32? Was 32 the beginning? Was 32 the first year, Boston? That's when the football team okay. in Boston. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was the beginning of a football <laughs> okay. team. Boy, that would be a, wouldn't that be a great brand? I mean, one of the <laughs> longest, you know, most ardent fans. It just took me, you know, th- 15 seconds to figure it out. I don't think you want a brand where some Let's of your longest, oldest Washington- friends. Fans can't Let's even call figure them it the out. The Washington Red Sox. How's that? <laughs> I mean, Rubies, Swifts. You know, my sister-in-law, Kevin. What did she like? After we have this discussion, uh-huh. she says, "I got a name," and she says, "Washington Monuments." And she was so proud of herself. <laughs> and I said to her, "I said, you know, you just you didn't just discover plutonium. <laughs> yeah, we've heard. You're not the first one to come up with Washington Monuments." Well, it's the same thing that when, like, I I think Zabe was telling this story. I think Zabe was telling me this story, and I forget if he told it on the air last summer or whatever. But, you know, he was telling the story about one of those things where, you know, some father comes up to him and says, hey, I got to tell you something. I just, I usually don't do this. As it relate, I usually don't brag on my children. But my daughter, who's nine years old, had a brilliant idea, and I think it would be great for your show. And that is just to call them the Washington Skins and use a potato as part as part of the logo. And Zabe did one of those. Wow, that's great. That is really awesome. Yeah, it's been <laughs> mentioned about about a thousand times over the last fifteen years. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't, Aunt Tommy. I'm be. I don't give a shit at this point. And you know, the, the, let me just be clear on this. It. I'm not one of the people that I thought I would be to a certain degree. That would be so distraught over the loss of the name 
that it would turn me off, you know, moving forward to the team. And I do know people who that was it. That was the final straw. They're done. Now, I think if there's a Super Bowl contender, you know, that they'll be back no matter what the name is. But, you know, that was the final straw. I I didn't – I just – I don't have passion for this issue. I don't – I mean, I think some of these names are ridiculous and will sound ridiculous, but, you know, eventually, like anything else, people will get used to it. Uh, But here's what you want if you're a Washington football fan, and this should be your bottom line for every decision they make at this point until they've shown you something besides this. Just don't embarrass us. Well, just don't pick something that's embarrassing. Don't I don't want to be embarrassed to be a Washington football fan anymore. That's all that's all fans should say. Well, but it, but it's so subjective. And you know, if I were them, I would absolutely be targeting a younger demo. I would absolutely be thinking in what's terms the of point? Well, what's the what's point? The point is that I know the older demo is going to die off, and they don't have young people who are fans. But guess what? They've missed Nobody out. Nobody does. Nobody does, Kevin. They're not watching sports. Yeah, I know. You sent me that art story, and and, yes. if, and if they are watching, they're watching for reasons that have nothing to do with rooting for a. They're watching team. highlights. They're not watching games. Yeah. So, what's the point of pursuing? A group of people that don't want you. I don't know. You know, the whole thing is very interesting. You know, I mean, look at just sports in the last year. Look at the TV ratings for the NBA. My God, they have fallen off a cliff. And yet, you know, people will 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 talk about, you know, the activism last summer is the number one reason. I, I Every sport has dropped in ratings. Every yes. single sport has dropped in ratings over the last year. I mean, this yes, was something has. you and I talked about at the very beginning of the pandemic. I, I, we, we asked each other the question, is it possible that people will learn that they don't need sports as much as they thought they needed them? And they did. That was a big revelation on some level yeah. over the last year. You know, I don't need to watch something every single night. You know, I found other things I like doing. I discovered other things. They're not as important as they were. And at the same time, you know, the increase in gambling, you know, access is pushing more people to betting on sports. Yes. Did but, you see the NFL deal gambling deals yeah, that they made? Yeah. Wow. It's a lot of money. Um, just speaking of that, not that this is um, – necessarily related to what you just talked about but i um i was driving downtown i i I can't believe i haven't mentioned this yet i think it was last week i was in chinatown um and i drove by you know the entrance to capital one arena and you just there's just these the long line and i just i'm telling you right now tommy i would love to see the results of this because what my prediction was with the legalization of sports betting, if you recall, I said in most places this is going to be underwhelming in terms of the results. And the reason is and until they create an opportunity for people who bet real, like more money than just 5 bucks a game or 10 bucks a game to bet on credit, they're just not going to attract 
the kind of revenue they're projecting. And, you know, in most states, they haven't realized the, the, the revenue. Of course, they'll blame that on the loss of sports during the pandemic, which is fair. But I'd like to see, you know, the next year or two, if this thing comes anywhere near meeting projection. I'd love to see the average bet size. Um, it's just, I bet you these numbers are so underwhelming. So underwhelming. Well, I bow to you on this. Your your your, your expertise is much. There's no than this way that mind. any one of my friends would ever bet legally in states that that have now legalized it. First of all, it's a fortune if you're really looking at the pricing. I mean, this is something. They, look, they are appealing to naive and new betters. I can tell that by the pricing. How much you pay in a vig on a loss. Um, I can see it in point spreads. I can see it in everything. I mean, they are really, I don't want to say they're taking advantage of it. There are huge costs in legalized state gambling that don't exist. First of all, they've got massive marketing costs right now, you know, massive customer acquisition costs. Um, But most of the, I don't, there isn't one person that I know that bets, that has bet legally since it's become legal in, say, the state of Virginia or in D.C., so there was a line you're saying outside the sports book. Oh yeah, but these are first time never had access to gambling before. And my only guess is that the bet size, the average, you know, bet is so much lower than maybe what they projected. There Tommy, if you can't bet on credit, what are you going to do? Like somebody who like look, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you exactly what I bet on games, okay? <laughs> But let, let me just tell you, a lot of the people that many of you, you know, many of you that are listening that bet, and many of you who have friends that bet and have been betting for many, many years, they're not betting 10, 20 bucks on a game. So they're not carrying around that kind of cash to bring to a window. Now, betting on an app would be great and not having to do it physically, but you, but there's still no credit. You're still going to have to use a credit card. You're still going to have to come up with the cash like you There's would in no a sports book. Tommy, I've ne- do you know how many sports bets I've actually made in a Vegas sports book? Like hardly any. I never like I, I I would call my book. I you know, and in you know, more recent years, go online and place the wagers with the accounts that I had where I was betting on credit. I wouldn't try to bring, you know, several hundred dollars to a window in a sports book. Now, I think there were probably nights we were playing cards or something and we walked over to the window and threw, you know, a money line bet on, you know, the Anaheim Ducks because the game was about to start and we wanted to continue to drink beers and hang out and watch something and have some action on something. We did that many nights. You know, the last game, whatever the last West Coast hockey, the only time I've ever bet hockey is in Vegas. Um... But anyway, uh, so if you go to the Wizards game this week, are you going to go into the sports book and look around? No. Why wouldn't you just? Oh, just, for uh, your, just to look around. Just for your uh, as being a talk show yeah, host. Yeah, I'll go. go and I'll, give I'll, us I'll, an I'll idea. Go, I'll go check it out. I mean, you know, do some reporting. Uh, I can tell you this: like you and I have talked many times about sort of the crowd at at, at a racetrack, you know, and I'm not yes. talking about you know in the uh, premier clubs with the premier sitting, I'm talking about the people down in the stands by the rail and what you might see on a Thursday afternoon, you know, in the seventh, my, my people, your people, <clears throat> I, 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 it's, it's a lot of that. It would appear, 
Um, I don't know if Ted's going to get his wish, you know, in terms of whatever this sports book. By the way, I'm sure, look, one of the things he does well, he does customer and consumer experience really well. I bet whatever this sports book, when it opens up, because right now they're just windows, I think. You just go in. I don't think that the restaurant slash sports book is open yet. Is it? Maybe it is. I, I don't, don't know. I don't know. It didn't appear to be to me when I drove by. I could be wrong about that. But um, the uh, but they got fans about to head down there to watch basketball and hockey. So I would hope tw- that they 2,100 of, 2100 of them. Uh, wanted to talk about the Snyder Allen thing and also a couple of things, a couple of the things that Ron Rivera said yesterday and something that Ed Werder said this morning about Deshaun Watson. We'll do that and more right after this word from one of our sponsors. The best way to learn a language, immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. If you missed Cooley yesterday, really, really good on Zach Wilson and um, Trevor Lawrence. Plus, Cooley sort of had a prediction on uh, what Washington would do. If you've missed that show, go back and listen to it from yesterday. Um, you can get it anywhere you get uh, you know all the past episodes. Um, he's been really good at breaking down the film. He's going to continue on Monday with some of the other quarterbacks. He's done the top five now. He loves Zach Wilson. He loves Zach Wilson more than Trevor Lawrence. You can hear why on yesterday's podcast. Um, he also wants to weigh in on the Bruce Allen, Dan Snyder thing. We didn't have time to get to it yesterday. We'll do that on Monday with him. I'm going to do it with Tommy right now. Uh, just a reminder, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, um, do it when you get a chance. It doesn't cost you anything, and it helps us. Also, rate us and review us wherever you have that opportunity, especially on Apple Um, If you're listening to us via Apple Podcasts and your iPhone and you haven't rated or reviewed the show, if you could take literally 15 seconds, 30 seconds and 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 rate it five stars, please, um, and then write, you know, a one sentence review, you really love the show. That really does um, help us on the revenue-generating side, um, on the advertising side. So thanks. Um, if you've done that recently, it looks like you have. And if you haven't, you can do it. That really would be a big help. So on Thursday, Dan Snyder filed um, a motion in a California federal court seeking to um, seeking discovery and uh, looking to depose 
Bruce Allen. Um, I'll read to you from uh, this filing. Snyder has good faith belief that Allen has has specific knowledge of the creation and distribution of the MEAWW articles. Just parenthetically, I'll add, if you don't remember that, that's the New Delhi India Company that was responsible for distributing all of the internet stories about Snyder with ties to Jeffrey Epstein, sex trafficking, drug parties, all of that information hitting in the days preceding the post story, the first post story that came out with 15 women claiming that they were uh, you know, sexually harassed and part of a, of, of a misogynistic culture um, at Redskin Park. Um, anyway, uh, so Snyder's got good faith belief that Allen has specific knowledge of the creation and distribution of the MEAWW articles and thus has information relevant to the Indian action. Uh, Snyder's uh, motion is not a lawsuit, but a request to the court to compel discovery to aid this case. Keep in mind right now, Dan Snyder has only sued one particular group and or entity, and that is this Indian-based company. Every other thing that you've read, whether it was with Dwight Char or um, uh, Jessica McLuhan or uh, the... Um, the, 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 the John Moog. John Moog or the woman who was his uh, administrative assistant. The, the, the name is oh. escaping me right now. Same with me. Um, but her and now Bruce Allen, those are all motions for discovery. That, that they're all now he could co- go back and sue Allen or sue Jessica McLuhan or sue John uh, John Moog, but the only lawsuit, the only legal action is against this Indian company. But he believes that that Indian company was aided and abetted by some of these people. Now, um, the other parts of this motion, Snyder's learned through discovery received in a separate uh, in a separate discovery motion that during the time period of January 9th, 2020 to November 18th, 2020, Mr. Allen participated in 87 separate calls totaling an astonishing 1,237 minutes, which is nearly 21 hours, with John Moog, the investment banker that represented the three minority owners of the team. Snyder's argued the limited partners in Moog um, were sources for the damaging information. Uh, furthermore, in the six weeks leading up to the publication of the defamatory articles, which were you know in July, um, Bruce Allen and Mr. Moog spoke 21 times for 270 minutes or four and a half hours. These calls are notable not only for their frequency and length, but for the fact that Mr. Moog himself had extensive contact with representatives of the media both before and after publication of the articles. Um, and also has exhibited advanced knowledge of, the, uh, of what was the forthcoming negative articles about Snyder. So this is more about Snyder believing Bruce was a big part or was a part of the information that went to this company that ended up planting these stories. What's the end game? That's, I mean, here's what I don't get. Uh, based on what I believe I know about Dan Snyder, the last thing he would want is to get into a discovery pissing match with Bruce Allen. 
So I had Daniel Kaplan from The Athletic on the radio show yesterday. He wrote extensively about this in The Athletic. And I think that may have been one of my first questions. Where is this going? Because I think when Snyder got the debt waiver and bought out Char, Smith, and Rothman, I think we thought it was over. I, I, I did anyway, and that, that obviously was way too premature to jump to the conclusion that, that it was over. It is over, I think, with Char, Smith, and Rothman, you know, and he said he believes it's over with Char. So I said, what's the end game here? He goes, well, that's a really good question. He feels like he was wronged. Obviously, there is this lawsuit with the Indian company that could lead to something, But, you know, he essentially said, look at who you're dealing with. You're dealing with a guy that, you know, has had vendettas before. This, he's, you know, and I said to him, I go, he's pissed. He's pissed and he's looking for, to exact some sort of revenge. And and by the way, um, in talking to, I forget who I had on the show last week about this. Oh, it was the guy that wrote about Hideki Matsuyama and the worth of the masters to him, the guy that used to write for Forbes and did the valuations for Forbes. And he said, man, Snyder got a great deal. He basically almost got revenge on his minority owners with the price that he paid for the 40% because it was basically a $2.2 billion valuation, huge discount. There's always an, 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 an expected discount because it's a minority stake, but he got a great deal because that franchise is worth between four and $5 billion. And he paid a valuation of 2.2. Um, anyway, um, there was something else in here real quickly I wanted to read. The filing noted that despite Allen's prominent position and hands-on role in running the team during the time period discussed in many of these negative articles, um, Allen's name rarely, if ever, was mentioned in these articles and was completely absent from all of the stories that are at, you know, that are at issue right now with the company out of India. Like none of those stories tied Bruce Allen into anything. So, you know, Snyder's saying, how convenient. So all these stories come out and Bruce's name isn't a part of any of them. So he, look, there's no doubt that Snyder thinks that Moog and Jessica, Jessica McLuhan and his former administrative assistant, who, by the way, had that relationship with Dwight Char's, you know, daughter and son-in-law, right? Or was it son and daughter-in-law? I forget. Um, and he, you know, he wants to get to the bottom of this. He wants to clear his name or he wants some sort of revenge. I actually, Tommy, put out a poll yesterday on Twitter And I basically just asked fans, and I'm looking it up to see what the results are because I didn't check it um, uh, because it's been about 24 hours. But, uh, you know, do you want Snyder to just stop all of this and just give it up and stay out of the news on all this stuff? Or do you want him to continue to pursue it? And I've got to find the results. But hold on. I voted in that poll of yours. What did you vote? Well, I want him to continue to pursue it. <laughs> <laughs> I Absolutely. Think, I think more people. Everybody sue everybody as far as I'm concerned. Twitter's down right now. Or at least it is for me. Um, I uh, I think it was like 58-42, roughly 58% said, just give it up. Let's stop. You know, let's stop having this shit be a part of the news every day. Remember, by the way, for those that are wondering, this is not at all associated with the Beth Wilkinson investigation. That's totally separate. Oh, and let me just let me just drop this in before I forget it. 
When is the draft? This coming weekend, right? No, um, a week from Thursday. A week from Thursday. The 29th, right. The 29th. What are the odds that the Wilkinson Report, a limited edited Ooh, version buried, of the Wilkinson did. Report, drops April 30th? Wow, good call. Good call. That Friday. Did I mention this to you that, um, that you know, I, I, a friend of mine who deals in a lot of this sort of stuff legally in investigative reporting and stuff like that said, you're, you're going to get an executive summary of this report. There's no way you're not going to get an executive summary. It'll have, it won't have any, you know, identifying information in it, but it's going to have the recommendations. It's going to tell it's going to tell you generally, you know, in sort of a larger scope, what happened and what was found. He's like, you're not getting completely shut out by this. There's no way the league would get, would be able to get away with that. I don't see how they could either. So, but your point is a really good one. Like, you know, in the middle of the draft, oh, look at that. Yep. The Wilkinson report and the recommendation from the league is that Dan Snyder, you know, pay a $300,000 fine and be suspended for the first four games of the 2021 season. It's going to be yeah. something like that. It, it, they'll try the, the, the news dump, the Friday news dump. And of all times, one of their biggest weekends, the NFL draft. It'll follow the night after Washington trades up to number eight with Carolina to take Trey Lance. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, That'd be perfect for them. You know, f- interestingly, right, the name stuff the other day, wasn't that uh, a, was that coincidental that the, all the whole name stuff came out at the same time the Bruce Allen Dan Snyder story hit? Look, yeah, the, uh, you're right. You're right. I think you have to you have to anticipate that kind of stuff. But, you're right. But Snyder's the one doing it. He's the one initiating this. So that you know that doesn't make any sense either. It's not like there, there's a report coming out that they can't control. He's the, he's true. the one filing these motions. That's I, true. But like my point is. If the, if he did get into a, a legal fight with Bruce Allen, I Bruce knows what Dan has done more than anybody, and and vice versa. Dan probably has a lot on Bruce. Oh, I'm sure, but at this point, Bruce is a non-factor. I think Bruce I guess. is Bruce is happy in his L.A. mansion at this point. I don't see Bruce Allen having any long. Uh, revived career in the NFL where Dan Snyder, some people still, you know, are hanging on to hope that he's holding on to ownership by his fingernails. You know, Tommy, I know I've beat this one to death, but I still think it's so interesting that here's Snyder chasing down. Oh, by the way, I asked this guy, the thing that you've brought up before, which is, is it possible that even if Snyder wins this case, that essentially the damages that that the the Indian company has to pay out? And by the way, they'll probably just file you know some sort of bankruptcy before they pay him anything. I don't know that it's a big company to begin with. I could be wrong about that, but um, the uh, you know it, it's what you've said before. I'm pretty sure it's you. I want to give you credit. It's like how can you prove that his reputation was damaged? when his reputation is so bad to begin with, like you have to, if you're going to quantify damages to, you know, in a libel case, I I don't know anything about how this would work, but when somebody already has a gutter level reputation, how could something like this make it any worse? I guess the Epstein thing is pretty bad. 
I know that, but that's one of, one of the defenses would seem to me is people people believed he was capable of this. Right. It's sort of what Moog said, right? Didn't Moog sort of yes. indicate that? Yes. <laughs> and what did your guy say? Um, I forget what remember? he said. I forget what he said. That's uh, okay. But you know, you got a lot on your mind. The the, bo- the bottom line is, ultimately, like I've said, you know, b- beating this dead horse over and over again, it's just ironic that the 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 fake news, the smear campaign really lessened the impact of the post story for Snyder. The expectations by the time we got to that Thursday afternoon when the when the post finally, you know, put that first story out was we the expectations were sex trafficking, Jeffrey Epstein ties. The shit's going to be there that's going to cost him the team. He's done. And none of it was there. It was a terrible story if it had been dropped, you know, by itself with no precursor, with no buildup, we would have been like, oh my God, what a terrible, you know, organization. But it really helped them. Hence why they put that letter, you know, signed by Louis Schreck, their sales head that that went out to sponsors and, and business partners that said, we're attaching the post story for your review. The post story is the only, you know, proper accounting of what went on here. All the rumors you heard weren't true. I mean, they felt so emboldened by 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 that story and not having any sort of ties to the rumors that they attached it to a letter to their to their business partners and sponsors. You are you you're 100% right on that. Uh but um what we don't know how severe it will be is the backlash after the Wilkins report is released from the women and their attorneys who, who uh, may feel it did not go far enough. Oh, Remember, I mean, uh, some of those women are suing oh, I, Snyder. I, I, I agree with you. I'm just talking about in the moment, that week. Yes. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, look, the, 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 on, the, the second story, the, the, the other stories, the New York Times stories, the Beth Wilkinson investigation, you know, all of this stuff, it's bad for the organization. I'm not minimizing that stuff at all, and I'm not saying that it ended there, you know, in mid-July. I'm just saying in the moment – that story, which at that point, remember the anticipation, like it was out everywhere that this was coming out. And then we started to get all the rumors from this, you know, we didn't know it was coming from this New Delhi, India company, all these rumors about what it was going to be about. And it's like, whoa, Tommy, I remember that week. I remember hearing the Jeffrey Epstein thing before anybody had printed it. And I made like two or three calls and I was told, nah, I don't see that. I don't see that. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I, but I was, I, I was waiting to read that thing like everybody else was. And when, when you read it, it's like nothing in here, remember is going to cost more likely than not cost Snyder the team. And they felt the same way. He felt the same way. The organization felt almost like it was a big sigh of relief. It's terrible to say that, but certainly it paled in comparison to what the rumors were. Anyway, uh, we've talked about that many times before. I just think it's funny that he's trying to clear his name, and and ultimately, the those those stories, that smear campaign that wasn't true, actually helped him in the moment. It actually benefited him and but the organization in the this, moment. Pursuing this at this point could come back to bite him in the ass. And yep, look, you know if. 
I, I'm if somebody smeared my name the way <clears throat> perhaps all of these people did, I'd be pissed too. And I'd, I get that, I, I'd want but... him to pay. I mean, on some level, I understand it. The problem is it's him. And he's been right. a litigious SOB his entire life. Um, we, we, he, th- 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 this kind of news has n- always been negative and usually been negative and accurate as it relates to him. You know, maybe for the first time he feels like this was wrong, I was wronged, and I've got to clear my name. I don't think anybody cares whether or not he clears his name on this. Nobody's going to think of him any differently if he wins this case against this company and if Bruce yeah. Allen spread lies about him. Nobody's going to think any differently. Like somebody should get to him and say, you know, what? Where's the where's the gain here? Even if you win, uh, well, I'll clear my name. You, you don't have anything. No, you're you're never going to clear your name in this town ever. Like I said, if if anything, I mean, if Bruce Allen starts to unpack his own suitcase of uh, Dan Snyder shit, uh, it could come back to haunt him. There's that saying that resentment is like drinking poison and expecting it to kill your enemy. Right. Tommy, has anybody that he's ever dealt with professionally stuck with him? Joe Gibbs. If, if you wanted to pick one guy to do that, it would be Joe Gibbs. Yeah, I'm just, I think that's it. Yeah. You know, I mean, Vinny's never done a tell-all. Vinny never, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he could. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if we get a co-authored book between Vinny Serrato and Bruce Allen in like 15 ah. years? <laughs> All right. Uh, one more segment in the show. I want to talk about some of the things Ron Rivera said yesterday and something Ed Werder said this morning on Outside the Lines on ESPN. We'll get to both things right after this word from one of our sponsors. So Martin Mayhew and Ron Rivera did a presser yesterday on the draft, you know, basically two weeks before the draft. Um, The first question was about, you know, the philosophy, draft best player available compared to, like, need. Mayhew answered the question. He said, I think there's definitely a balance between those two. Obviously, you don't want to reach for players just because of what position that those players play. But by the same token, you have to be cognizant of what your needs are throughout the draft to try to fill those needs if possible. Then the second question, right out of the bat, uh, do you feel the necessity of going after a quarterback in this draft? And Martin Mayhew gave the answer. Uh, that's a really good question, but one I won't answer. I won't get into that for strategic reasons. We do feel very confident and comfortable with the quarterbacks on our roster right now. I'm excited about working with each and every one of those guys. We'll see where it goes. So, you know, there were more questions about, like, they tried to ask him questions. It was smart. Like, so what do you look for when you evaluate a quarterback? And one of the things that Mayhew did say is that, I want a guy that has spent time on the job. And so from that, I would say to you what I've said for two months. I've heard that there are several people in the organization that really like Justin Fields. And Mike Lombardi came out with the report, remember, a couple of weeks ago that said they're really interested in Trey Lance. Well, if they're looking for somebody who spent time on the job, Justin Fields has started 34 games in college. Trey Lance, half that number. So I I would be – I think Fields is – 
a, a guy that they're interested in more than Lance. I just that's my that's what I heard two months ago. Of course, these things change. By the way, you know John Kime, who doesn't break a lot of stories, but when he does, he's usually right. He had yesterday. Um, or on, late on Thursday, that he has a source that says Washington will absolutely move up into the top 10 if you know a quarterback that they like falls, which sort of means they're not going to number four to Atlanta's you know spot, but they might go to seven, Detroit's spot, or eight, Carolina's spot. You know, before you get to nine, which is Denver's, which you know, Denver needs a quarterback. Um, right. Charlie Casserly, I think I, I think somebody sent this to me. Casserly recently projected that Washington would trade up and and draft Trey Lance. I don't know. I, I personally still am sticking with the most likely um, scenario is that they stay at 19 and they select a player. And it's a linebacker or it's an offensive lineman or maybe it's a corner. It's one of those three things at 19 overall. But, you know, there's a lot of smoke on them trading up. And I thought that the only comment related to the quarterback situation out of that press conference came from Martin Mayhew when he said, evaluating quarterbacks, time spent on the job is definitely a positive. Anytime you see a guy with limited time on the job, that is a concern for me with the quarterback position. There are certainly more of those guys this year. And Trey Lance would be right there. Uh, Justin Fields... Two solid years as the starting quarterback at Ohio State and playing in multiple playoff games and a national championship game this year. So I, I would I would take that as a bit of a clue that the Justin Fields uh, th- thought that the, you know it, it, stuff that I, I I had heard two months ago that that's a guy that they're very interested in. I think that that's the guy more than it's Lance or Jones. That would be my guess. Cooley still thinks Fields is the more likely to fall. The, the odds makers in Vegas have Fields now as the favorite to be the number three pick. Cooley's convinced it's going to be Mac Jones to the 49ers at three. <clears throat> and that, you know, that Fields would be the one that would drop to like nine to where Denver is. So and it's going to be interesting. It's a it's very well again, you know, my my philosophy is. If they have a guy that they definitely want, they should go get him. I'm with you. I totally yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Uh, um. So last thing, Tommy. So I was watching um, outside the lines this morning. They were doing a lot on Deshaun Watson. And Ed Werder, you know, the longtime ESPN reporter based in Absolutely. Texas. Um, he basically said that, you know, Deshaun Watson's trade values diminished significantly, um, but that, you know, there's still the possibility that Houston's going to move on from him and try to trade him, and that, you know, he definitely still wants to leave. I, I can't imagine just the, the craziness of this entire situation, um, but... He started listing teams that would be potential suitors for Watson. And he, you know, he mentioned all of the obvious teams that might be in the mix for a quarterback. You know, Atlanta, New England, Denver, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, Washington. He mentioned Washington, still in there. I I I First of all, I am curious, and I think I'll probably do this on the radio show Monday or Tuesday. 
Would people want Deshaun Watson now that you may not have to pay a fortune for him? Maybe you only have to give up a first and a second now, or only two firsts total, and that's it, to get him. Would you I'm do sure it? There, would I do it? No, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it because if, there, if there's one team that can't trade for Deshaun Watson, it's the Washington football team. There's no chance Washington can trade for Deshaun Watson right now. There's no way. No, no it can't happen. And I know there's a segment of the fan base that won't understand that and will say one has nothing to do with the other, but it absolutely does. That this is the one team you can't, he can't, like this was the one team Colin Kaepernick could not play for. This is the one team Deshaun Watson can't play for, for different reasons other than football. Why was this the one team that Colin Kaepernick couldn't play for? Because of the name? Because of the name. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he couldn't turn around and play play for a team that had what, what he had publicly, you know, criticized a number of times was the name. So, I mean, again, it's a non-football thing, but it, it's, it's, it's the facts of life. It was one of those really good NBC 80 shows. Actually, that was a terrible show. Couldn't it's stink. a terrible show. But I met, I met one of the girls, Kim Fields. In at the Hamburger Hamlet in Georgetown. Oh, really? Well, she in the eighties. She may have been the only one that had like a legitimate career on that show. I mean, the other yeah. people. I don't remember like the the one that played uh, the blonde. I don't think she was ever in anything. I think Kim Fields was in a lot of things. I might maybe, think. but at that point, that was a brush with greatness. <laughs> it was. What did you say to her? I don't even remember. Oh, boy. I don't even remember. I think I said, did you wash your hands when she came out of the bathroom? No, you're so I'm not sure. Um, the Deshaun Watson thing, fascinating. Uh, look, I, I I love him as a player. I mean, I totally I was on board for giving up whatever it took to get him, basically. And I wanted Matt Stafford before that, before it became you know obvious that he was available. Um, but I uh, – I don't think there's well, – I think Tommy's 100% right. There is no chance that this organization – this is the one out of the 32 in the NFL with what's going on with, with sexual harassment and, and, yeah. and, and the investigation. Can you imagine if they brought Deshaun Watson into this organization? <laughs> you know, look, you know, I, on, on one level, I, from a football level, I would say, you know what – this will eventually go away, and we'll end, and we'll have a great quarterback who, you know, t- completely reshaped, the, you know, his image or whatever. And 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 you know, and so on some level, I would be like, let's still go for it. But they're just not; they would not do it. I, I, you know what? There's no way. I'll tell you who would not allow it. Tanya wouldn't allow it, and she has more say, or certainly perceived say, than she's ever had before. Now I gotta tell you. Uh, I'm becoming more and more convinced that, and you know, I'm sure the, I'm sure the NFL owners think this way. Uh, maybe some of them do, some of them don't, that it's pretty much a bulletproof organization. I mean, I mean, I don't think there's anything. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't think there's anything that they don't think that they can sustain uh, in terms of a hit. But Tommy, the, the organization has taken hit after hit and it's hurt the business of the organization yes it has so you're right you know being one of 32 they still get to share in 132 132nd of the television revenue yes so 
that's what makes it bulletproof. But this organization's taken huge hits in recent years. Huge. But back to Deshaun Watson, it won't happen. And Tanya, and if it did happen, they'd have to have Tanya on the front lines explaining how she vetted Deshaun Watson. You know, I was reading this thing yesterday about on ESPN, this guy, um, Jeff Legwold, I think his name is, wrote this really um, interesting piece on how teams really put a draft board together. Anyway, it, it's, it's worth the read, actually. There were a lot of things that I thought, found very interesting. But um, before Tennessee drafted Jeffrey Simmons, he had an assault charge, um, a, a domestic assault situation. Amy, um, uh, what's the, uh, Strunk, Amy Strunk, the owner of the Titans now, said that she vetted Jeffrey Simmons more than any player that she's ever been asked to get involved in a decision on. She vetted him, and they drafted him, and he's really good. Um, He's really turning into a a monster of a player. If Washington drafted a player like that, signed a player like that, it would have to be Tanya, front and center, talking about how she vetted the player. She vetted the situation. She was asked to sign off on it, and she did. They could not get away with Dan or Ron or any male up there talking about how they're comfortable with Deshaun Watson's situation. I agree. Anything else? I got nothing else for you, boss. Back on Monday with Cooley, he's going to do some of the other quarterbacks. Like, who's the sixth quarterback to be taken? So guys like Mond and Mills and Trask, he'll do uh, and have film uh, breakdowns for all of them. All right, Tommy, thanks. Have a good rest of the weekend. You too. All right, thank you for doing this. Okay, no problem. All right, let me go get it out. See you. All right, I'll see you. Bye.